I've got some great news for Football Nation Radio listeners. Our supportive partner, Northern Motor Group, is offering $250 off any in-stock vehicle this end of financial year. That's if you take delivery before the 30th of June. With eight big car brands, MG, Nissan, Kia, Isuzu Ute, Jeep, Ram, Samsung... Peugeot and Pacific Caravans, it's literally a one-stop shop for all your driving needs. Plus, with over 150 quality pre-owned vehicles, Northern Motor Group really does have your next vehicle purchase ready and waiting. Don't wait. Visit www.northernmotorgroup.com.au today. They're in Grimshaw Street, Bundura, and tell them George sent you. LMCT 6595. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Uh, George Denikian, along with Pakur Frimpong in the studios of Docklands. This is Football Nation Radio, and State of Our Football Nation is the name of the program. And each and every week we cover a number of different topics. The topic on everyone's lips this week is, of course, Grand Final. The A-League men's coming up on Saturday night. Paramount Plus and Channel 10 getting ready for it. Uh, what have you made of all the prep? I'm We've ex- had plenty of time to think about it. We have had plenty of time to think about it, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the game as a whole. I've been seeing some of the old uh, matchups between Melbourne City taking on Central Coast Mariners and, and seeing you know what that was like. And, and I look forward to the atmosphere. I think it being in, in Parramatta and being down at... Uh, Combank. Combank Stadium, which have you had the pleasure of being going to? No. So, no, I, no, no. so I went to Combank for the A-League Women's Grand Final. And, and something I really enjoy about that stadium is that it's quite vertical as opposed to it going out. Yeah, gotcha. So the sound is like right on top of you and, and it's a really nice stadium. So it's um, a bit, bit like a bull ring, is it? Yeah, it is. But I, I yeah, it's a really nice stadium. I, I like it a lot. And uh, Playing really, surface, what do you make of the playing yeah. surface? Will it be ready? Because there's an awful lot of traffic this year. Yeah, it has been an awful lot of traffic, but I, I think it should be fine. And I think if it is a little bit more bumpy, I think that's probably served Central Coast a little bit better than it does Melbourne City if, uh-huh. the, if the pitch is a little bit more bumpy. I, Melbourne City's game seems to be something... Thrive on, on Amy carpet, Park. Yeah, yeah, that nice yeah, carpet. Yeah, yeah. Which Amy Park hasn't always been a carpet, that's for no, sure. No, no. The, the, the problems at Amy have been always brought on by outside interests like rock concerts. Or the rugby, dare I say it, the rugby union, or the rugby league, or the monster trucks, or the whatever. Read whatever you want into it. Uh, by the way, our special guest this um, this particular program will be none other than Channel Ten's or the Paramount Plus um, commentator Simon Hill. Looking forward to what he thinks of, of that and some other. Things that are taking everybody's interest in the game. So many things have been happening overseas. Um, a number of years, only I think a th- half a dozen years after Leicester created magic and wrote itself one of the best fairy tales that you could ever write anyone. Even even Hollywood struggled to believe that at 5,000 to 1, Leicester were a chance to win the... The English Premier League. Um, they did, but here they are six years on and the game, cr- the, sh- the cruel nature of the game has shown uh, what can happen. It's just been relegated from the English Premier League to the championship. I think the difficulty for... I, I, 
obviously COVID hit a lot of clubs, uh, like, you know, around the world differently. But Celestia is one of the clubs that got hit by COVID, like, extremely hard because... I, I, because I think the problem was that the, the man who owned the club got killed in a helicopter yeah, no, accident. But, but, but that was before, that was before yeah. their struggles. But what I'm saying is that obviously a lot of the money that Leicester as a club gets and the, the reason that the family that owns the club is wealthy is, is through the airline company. And yeah. with COVID, it was yeah. severely hit. So there was, less mo- yeah. there was less money available to the club and it's hard to compete. You know, That's to, a very fair comment, but I, I still think I still think had he been around, he may well have been able to engineer some better outcomes. But we'll, yeah, we'll never know yeah, now. Yeah, we'll yeah. And, know. And I th- but I, I think that the Leicester going down is obviously really difficult for Leicester as a club, but it's probably a benefit to a lot of Premier League clubs because Leicester are going to have to some of their players are going Jettison, yeah, are fire going, sale. It's going to be an absolute fire sale. You're getting excited, aren't you? Uh, who, would, who would Arsenal pick up from that fire sale? Uh, I think the, the players we would have got are probably left, unfortunately. Oh. Yeah, because we would have got Fafana and Fafana's no longer there. Oh, he's at Chelsea. He's at Chelsea now. So. Mind you, he could... He could still be available. Yeah, yeah Chelsea. We've just heard that Maurizio Pochettino, the former Spurs man, has uh, accepted the uh, the role of manager and he's got a two-year contract with one more should the club think he does a good job. Which is so interesting to the club if the, he does a good job at the club. I think something that we've learnt with the likes of when we talk about Nick Montgomery and we talk about like Mikel Arteta and things like that, You've got to have really good leadership above you, and it does. Otherwise, it just does fundamentally doesn't matter what kind of quality manager that you have in your club because they can only do so much. If the club is rotten from the top, you there's only so much you can. Can't do. argue with that. Uh, by the way, uh, do you believe in the adage that some people never learned? Uh, yes. There's been an awful lot of growing chatter coming from the English Premier League that a certain Ange Postacoglu may well be approached after the Scottish Cup final and um, uh, might be offered a, 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 a role as manager in an EPL club. And, of course, guess what's happened in the last 24 hours? People coming from everywhere saying, um, he's 57, what's he done? And... Um, how do you how do you say his name? You see, this is the thing, George. This is the thing about Tottenham fans, unfortunately, for for you. Oh, not you, what, George. You're saying they're not intelligent? Not you, George. Not you. You're great. Fantastic. See, my club, Arsenal, we took faith in a in a man from who was coaching in Japan, was doing some wonderful work, and we got some beautiful years out of it. They have to have faith in Ange. And Ange so what cer- you're saying Ange to me is more than you had the Ted Lasso effect no, even no, before no, Ted no. Lasso. Arsenal was certainly sterner than Ted Lasso. But what I'm saying is that You've got to take – like if your club is – Tottenham can't sit in this lull of just being – sitting it around the fourth. You've got to make that leap and you've got to take a risk. And Angie's certainly done enough, I think, in his career Absolutely. to deserve Absolutely. and warrant an interview and also the job at Tottenham but pe- Hotspurs. But, but people already thinking, he's 57, what's he done? He's 57. It doesn't matter. No, nice. it means naught. It means absolutely nothing. Absolutely naught. Um a couple of things that are very important as we lead into the grand final, the men's A-League grand final on Saturday night. Uh, the week has almost uh, ended and uh, so are a bundle of careers. We've heard that Alex Wilkinson, the former Central Coast Mariners, the former uh, Melbourne City man, the former Sydney man, or the captain of Sydney, has decided 
to retire. Yes. Effective immediately. It's been a great innings and he's been a wonderful servant to the game. I think he's also been representative of the PFA, hasn't he? Uh, he may have not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's played a pretty I, strong role. What I was going to ask you, George, was well, yep. Sydney FC when they were announcing that he was he was retiring. They said that he was the greatest of all time in the A leagues. Now you've certainly seen more A league games than I have. Um, yeah. I, I, I hate do? the term greatest. I, I really, really do. Well, I think well, they might say the best has ever done it or something. Like yeah. That, but, you know. Look, he's had an outs. Let let let's pack it this way. Um, he's had an outstanding uh, career. He's been a wonderful servant to the game and to every club that he's that he's attended and played for. And I wouldn't have thought there'd be a fan who could point a finger at Alex Wilkinson and say he's done us a disservice. He was marvellous when he was at City, at Melbourne City when he was there. They, under the... Um, uh, under that time he was there, I think they won their first ever trophy, which was the, the old FFA Cup. Um... I'm trying to think. Uh, he then went to Sydney and they had a fabulous run. Mind you, they had a pretty good side, and but he added to it. And he, of course, long, long time ago, he was a tremendous talent at, at the Central Coast Mariners. So he, it's been a terrific journey for him. He's not the only one pulling the pin. We're hearing now that the referee, the man who will officiate the uh, A-League men's grand final, Chris Beath, who has jumped who has done just about everything that a referee can do, and that is he's, he's officiated at World Cups, he's officiated at uh, major tournaments around the world, which tells you that they think what they think of him, what the international fraternity think of him, and he says that it'll be his last game. Probably he has other things. Maybe he might move into the administrative chair of the referees, and they need good people. But Chris Beath... Calling it a day. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see the game without him because we 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 like to not think about referees, but they become such characters in the game for yep. us, and yep. we get become familiar with their names, and we yep. like some referees when they are with our team, and we don't like some referees. But he's done an outstanding job, um, yeah. Chris, and yeah. and you know they, he will be missed. His his level of understanding and quality um, will be missed. And early on in the week, we heard that a young guy called Scott Jamison the captain of the Melbourne City side, has also decided to hang them up after the grand final. Um, it, you know, it put a number of noses out of joint. Nick Montgomery wasn't happy. He didn't, he didn't believe that uh, anyone should be looking at uh, retirements or resignations or um, uh, he just wanted the game to be um, basically judged as being the showpiece game of the year between two sides, and let the best team win. And he thought it was a bit of a mind game. Uh, what are your thoughts? I don't, I don't know if it's a mind game, but uh, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree, agree yep. with that. I, I, yep. think the Jam, I think Jammer was going to retire. But you can understand Nick. I, I can understand it, but I, I, don't, I don't think that Scott Jamison or Melbourne City were being that calculated in their actions to, to it. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm you know, being naive about it, but I just think it's... I don't know how that becomes a mind game if unless you allow it to become a mind it, game. It, yes, I think it's about distraction. You know, watch what my left hand is doing. I'll spank you with the right hand, that sort of thing. Um, exciting stuff, though. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from Simon Hill. Uh, we've now seen the EPL season, this extended uh, double-pronged season 
uh, end. And of course, uh, we've seen the uh, the sides that will be going down. We now know that it's not only Southampton, not only Leicester, but Leeds too. After a terrific um, couple of years, they just they just lost their way. Do you think it's uh, karma for letting Bielsa go? Oh, there'll be an awful lot of Bielsa fans who'd say, uh, "Told you so." Because yeah, there was, a, I, I think he up until the day he left, he yep. was still quite popular with the fans, and and then you know the club decided to let him go, and and they, I think when you know you learn that if you're going to decide to sack a coach, you better have a good backup plan, especially with Bielsa. If you know if Pep Guardiola says he's the guy that. You know, I looked up to as a manager, mm. and you're letting him go. Yeah, maybe you know, might not be the right decision. But yeah. also, Melbourne Victory announced today. That the- is so true. I I was uh, I wasn't going to mention it. I, I thought I might let Simon Hill tell us that yeah. uh, you know something um, un- untoward has happened at the Victory. They had a big luncheon today, and uh, their chairman Anthony Di Pietro has uh, pulled the pin. Another resignation. It's effective immediately. And I understand that um, one of their independent board members, uh, John Doverston, uh, has been appointed uh, and he replaces Di Pietro effective immediately. Now, he's been an, ind- an independent me- uh, board member for about eight years. And I think he'll be the first independent non shareholder to hold the, the seat of chair at the Melbourne Victory. Oh, wow. Yeah. How does so, that, you know, you, obviously you worked in administration and football. How does, yep. that, how does that come about when, you know, when a club's making those sorts of decisions? Look, um, you've got to understand that unlike players, uh, when it comes to administration, what you need to know is that people have the passion and the energy. The players always can have the passion and the energy, but they may not have the legs. Uh, an administrator, it's very different. You've got to want it, and it may well be, and what we're hearing is that Anthony DiPietro has got some business um, decisions that are going to take him away, and rather than impact on his role at Melbourne Victory, he feels that Melbourne Victory are in very good hands. There's a whole new uh, partnership with the 777 uh, organisation. Uh, they've got um, the uh, new airline, Bonza, uh, up in the air and doing some good things. And he, he probably, look, it's 13 years as the chair. And during his 13 years, Victory have been, if not the biggest club in the country, uh, certainly one of the most successful. Um, it's, it's a pity when uh, administration, key administration pieces uh, choose to leave the club, especially when you had a really down year. I don't think there could have been a lower season than quite possibly their first season um, back in 2005 when they finished near enough to the bottom of the competition. Um, so it's, there's only one way now, it's up. So for John Doverston, uh, it's in his hands now, but I, I, you've got to look at what they've done. Uh, Anthony DiPietro has, has put runs on the board. He's won for the, under his, think of this, under his leadership, the club has achieved two men's championships, one A-League men's premiership, two Australian Cups. That's We're talking now two of the old FFA Cups. Um, and I think both of them might have come under um, um, uh, not uh, – was it Musket? And uh, under both um, – I think both under Musket. Um, 
He's had uh, a history-making treble. Uh, the A-League women's that they instituted got up and they've done some fantastic things and they've gone back to back in uh, 21 and 22. The A-League women's premiership uh, was a, a big win for them too. It proved that they weren't just a one-sided entity. They they were going to support their women and it's been terrific in that regard. They've developed a tremendously strong uh, and prolific um, community department which does a lot of good work and I think they've secured the future of, of victory uh, as a major sporting entity especially in Melbourne and in Victoria with the triple uh, seven group coming on board and, and and doing the business from that perspective yeah absolutely yeah. so Anthony Di Pietro whatever you you might want to say you cannot take away from the fact that under his 13 years they've scored a lot of a lot yeah, of they, runs, some really great, some great with a lot of points yeah. on the board. And uh, did you think it was a surprise when you heard the yeah, news? Yeah, it wasn't something that I was... Like a bolt from the yeah, blue? Yeah, you know, it wasn't something that I was expecting to hear today. But uh, I, I think you can understand it with the way maybe this season has gone for the club, maybe some changes. But, you know, I think that... I just want to see Melbourne Victory do well, and that's the ultimate thing. Of course, thing. And I think, I, I'll, yeah, you I know, think that, the, the only people that don't want... The victory to do well are their, uh, are their feared rivals. Yes, exactly. Namely the Adelaide Reds, uh, Melbourne City, and any team you want from yeah. outside Senior the state FC. of Victoria. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, an opportunity to talk to the man who will be calling the A-League men's final, the man from Paramount Plus, the man from Channel 10. I first saw him calling the game... Uh, I think it was on SBS a lifetime ago, with a young guy called Les Murray. Uh, we're talking about Simon Hill, and he'll be joining us very, very shortly. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. As promised, we said to you we had a special guest lined up for what promises to be a super exciting weekend. It's Grand final time. Pakur Frimpong is smiling from ear to ear. I said to you, Simon Hill is going to join us. He's calling the game, and lo and behold, via the magic of Zoom, he joins us as he's busy preparing for the uh, the Dolan uh, Warren Medal coming up tonight. How are you, my friend? How are you, Simon? Can you hear us? I can't hear. Simon, where are you, Simon? I've got you. Ah, beautiful. So uh, I promised uh, Pakua that uh, we'd grab you and, um, as they say, despite your work schedule and the number of commitments you've uh, got today, how far away are we from starting the the official presentation for the end-of-year function, which has now become uh, part of the, 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 the sporting calendar? I'm talking about the, the Dolan Warren medal. Uh, we're about four hours away, just on that. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're feeling absolutely no nerves. How's preparation going? What, for the Dolan Warrants? Yes. Well, I'm not involved in the Dolan Warrants. I, I, thought, you'd, I thought you'd be involved. <laughs> How can they not include no, no, not you? Well, to be fair, I've been included many years in the past. I mean, I hosted these events yes, I know. for quite a few years. Yes. Um, but, you know, time moves on and uh, you <laughs> meet different faces. So, uh, is no, it, I'm happy. Is, Listen, I'm happy not to be working tonight. I'll just go and have a feed and, uh, and have a beer. Hey, listen, is there any truth in the rumour that you are so pent up waiting for the triple 
that City may <laughs> create magic if they finish the season as they they almost uh, you know uh, showcased, except for this last game against. Uh, uh, lo and behold, I, I didn't think they'd lose that game, but again, it's it's Brent uh, mm, Brentford have that have had that wood over a couple of clubs. They've beaten Arsenal. Did they, they not early in the season? Uh, no, we drew. Yeah. We, we you drew, drew we or drew lost? One. We drew 1-1. One, one. You drew 1-1. One, one. But it was well, a shock. They've beaten us twice. They've yeah, beaten us beaten twice this season. What is it they've got? What is it that they've managed to get? I mean, well, they've got a good manager for a start. Thomas yes, Frank is excellent. And uh, they've got some good players, you know. I know Ivan Tony has got the long ban for uh, doing something he shouldn't with the betting. Oh. Um, but, you know, Brian and Bumo, I think he's an excellent player. Um, he is. And, and he they've showed got plenty his... more besides. And yeah. he showed... they've, they've, you know, they've got a good team ethic. They're well-led. They're organised. And particularly at home at that new stadium, you know, it can be quite a cauldron. So, uh, no, it's, it's no disgrace. And to be honest, you know, had there been something riding on that game, it might have been a different outcome. But with the Cup final and the Champions League final to come, I think it's... It's understandable that Pep made some changes and perhaps equally understandable that, you know, City probably weren't quite at their best. Well, as we saw in the last episode of Ted Lasso, and I I don't want to be a spoiled sport, but if you haven't seen it, you've missed out. Uh, City won that too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they win win the EPL. I haven't watched Ted Lasso. Oh, you've got to see it. And this this season especially, it was maligned uh, in some quarters by a host of different people. But I think they've they've forgotten what made this show so special. It came along at a terrific time, right in the midst of the COVID pandemic around the world, and it gave us some some wonderful light and some, I think, a view on 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 how to treat others at a time when the whole world had forgotten how to behave. So, in many respects, it's a very special bit of television. And uh, well done to Apple, well done to Jason Sudeikis and the crew. And now the big question is, do they come back for season four? But um, look, um, I thought uh, I thought the efforts of getting Pep, they actually, you actually get Pep talking in Ted Lasso in the last episode, um, and that's not easy. You don't you don't get Pep to do that sort of stuff, and um, it's worth it's worth looking at the show just for that Manchester City friend. Okay. Well, I haven't, I've never watched the second of it, so I'm, I'm taking your word for it, well, to be honest. Well, here's I, something... I watch enough football without, without oh, going down the, uh, yes, the fiction the be- road as well. Yes, but the, beauty of it, but the beauty of this is there's just enough football in there, right? Mm. But it's all about human beings and their, okay. their interactions, so it has an awful lot to offer. Maybe but I'll they, give it a go. Yeah, you, give, it a, give it a binge when you get a, get a moment to be off the golf course. By the way, how's your handicap? <laughs> Blimey. I haven't played golf in probably five years. I do oh, hang love on. it. Hang on. We got oh. you on the golf course only last year. Or was it, was it the year before? We got you and we did an interview with you and you were on your way either oh, to the golf course or coming yeah, off the golf was, course. That was, that was, yeah, I think that was the last time I played, actually. <laughs> maybe three or four years ago. But, uh, no, I don't get much chance to play golf, to be honest, because – you know, obviously, as you know, it takes you know four hours to get to, to do a full round. Correct, um, probably longer than that with with my handicap. Yep. Um, I just don't have the time, particularly during the football season. I mean, oh, yeah. As soon as the football season ends, I'm normally on a plane back to the UK. So, yeah, the, the golf clubs have sat rotting in my 
in my uh, apartment for quite some time, unfortunately. You know, Robbie Thompson uh, is in France, I think, at the moment with the family, yep. and he'll be coming back uh, a little bit later in the year. We're looking forward to catching up with him. But um, would you be taking a break after the uh, the uh, the grand final, or will you be hanging around for the Women's World Cup? Well, look, I am involved in the Women's World Cup. Um, I will be working on that, but uh, I am taking a break in the interim. Um, as soon as, actually, I've got to wait until the Argentina-Australia game, which is on the 15th of June. Uh, and as soon as that's done, then uh, I am heading off overseas. So uh, I'll, I'll have a quick break. It's not as long as my usual off-season break, which is unfortunate. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Women's World Cup. I've never actually covered one before, so... Uh, this will be fascinating. And, you know, with it being in Australia as well, hopefully it'll be uh, a great tournament, a good showcase for our sport in this country. I, I think, too, there's another element to this, um, and that is that there's a distinct possibility, and I'm getting this bu- uh, this bubble and this, this, uh, and this buzz happening around around me from people that normally don't get excited by football, and a lot of them, or many of them are women, and it tells me that the game may well get its biggest boost in years outside of the Olympics and outside of, you know, uh, world titles and things like that. Mm. Um, So I I think being a co-host with New Zealand, um, they they could be a catalyst for something quite special. And we've now even got the government talking that they might provide us with more funding, which is something that uh, falls very comfortably on my ears. Yeah, well, look, you know, obviously that is the the long-term play. And, you know, my my fear with all of this, uh, and this is probably born out of decades, and you've been involved (laughs) in the game here a lot longer than I have, George, that, you know, we've seen a lot of false dawns down the years. Correct. Uh, We we had last year an absolutely fantastic Men's World Cup in terms of Australia's uh, performance. And we all thought on the back of that 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 was going to translate into, you know, an improved... Uh, product in terms of the domestic game. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, we <laughs> that didn't quite occur for one reason or another. Now, we, we've had occasions in the past, the Asian Cup win in 2015, um, you know, the inclusion of Western Sydney Wanderers, Alessandro Del Piero in 2013, that gave the, the, the league an, an enormous boost. Um, but we didn't capitalise upon it. And, you know, for me, the test will be, I have no doubt that the stadiums will pack out for the Women's World Cup. It'll be a great event. And people in particular will get behind the Matildas. Of course they will. Mm. But the 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 test, the acid test for me, is going to be round one in both the men's and women's next season. And I want to see increased attendance figures. I want to see more people watching on TV. Otherwise, you know, you're... All this talk of legacy really is just to you know, pine the sky. I mean, yeah. it, you know, there will be some legacy. Obviously, there'll be improved facilities in certain places, but we haven't got a new stadium out of it. No. We haven't got an awful lot of money out of the governments, which we should have done, because you can guarantee if this was a rugby World Cup or a cricket oh. World Cup, then they'd be absolutely pouring money at it. Correct. Um, so, you know, we, we've got to see some tangible benefit for it. Otherwise, you know, the World Cup will come and go and we'll be back to square one at the start of next season. And that's what I do not want to happen. I'm sorry to sound like an old commander. No, 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 no. But as you know, George, we've been down this road before. So I've already you know, seen. We, we want to see a proper legacy for this World Cup. Uh, we're talking to Simon Hill, who, of course, is doing the uh, commentary for the A League Grand Final, the men's on Saturday night, which pits 
what is it? Is it going? It's being pitched as the David versus Goliath. It's it's the Central Coast Mariners against Melbourne City. Melbourne City again uh, coming up trumps, delivering a tremendously consistent season. And we saw some wonderful daring and run from this young crop of players at the Central Coast Mariners that not only excited uh, many football fans, but got their region right behind them. Uh, 20,000 for the last home game. And as Richard Peel, their chair, said, a pity it wasn't our gate. <laughs> the, the gate, of course, going to the uh, APL, yeah. Yeah. which has yeah. had a yeah. checkered uh, first, first year of clear a sale from from its yeah. um, you know uh, dismantling from or its departure uh, from the uh, from football Australia. We finally have now seen one clear season of the APL, and if you're going to judge it, is it is it just a pass mark? <laughs> is yeah, it that's just a good question? Yeah. Um, look, in terms of. You know the, the the actual football on the field. There's nothing wrong with the competition, no. uh, despite the you know the preconceived ideas that it's a poor standard and it's uh, you know it's not as good as the Premier League. Well, of course it's not as good as the Premier League. You know, very few competitions around the world are as good as the Premier League. Yeah, just and ask yet, the Europeans. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, the, the fans still turn up to watch those competitions and they still value their local league. So we, we do suffer from. A poor perception, and and the reason for that largely is that we've got more than enough football fans in this country, but not enough of them are fans of A League clubs. Yeah, and so they true. tend to view it from a very dispassionate point of view. Now, you know, if I tune in to watch, I don't know, Fulham against Bournemouth in the Premier League, uh, the, the quality is not necessarily great. You know, and obviously the, the top uh, sides play great football, but you know, down the down the bottom, it's not always that brilliant. But the difference is you have full stadiums. You have committed supporter bases and there's a narrative because of promotion and relegation, all of which, you know, amps up the the, the feeling around those games and makes it perhaps feel a lot better in terms of quality than it perhaps is. Now, we don't have that yet in Australia no, um, in in either sense. So that drives some of that perception. In in terms of your original question, uh, as I said, I I think the investment in uh, you know the football side of things in, in in some ways by the APL has been okay. Uh, the problem is is that they've you know they've made a couple of big decisions that have not gone down too well. And let's be honest, the grand final decision is one of them. Yeah. Uh, now I've gone on record as saying I don't agree with it, um, and you know I've copped a bit of flack from that from within the game. Well, I don't care quite honestly. Um, this is a game of opinions, and if people in the media can't give their opinions, then we're not doing our job properly. And stand up. So and stand up. We, yeah, yeah. Well, you've you've got to you know also be mindful of what the fans are thinking, and a lot of fans don't like it. Now, it may well be on Saturday night that we get a full house, in which case it's great, you know, but it doesn't necessarily vindicate the decision because that, true. you know you've got to look at longer term costs in terms of the PR damage that it, that's done the competition. So. You know, there are a few different elements to it. Now, to be fair to the APL, you know, since uh, the furore of the grand final decision that they've recognised, at least in part, that they need to be much more consultative with the supporters. They they can't just ride roughshod over the supporters with decisions of this magnitude in future. So they've put in place committees, which is a good start. Um, they've made some mistakes in other areas as well, but they are new to it. And, you know, it's a difficult competition to run, particularly in Australia, where it's not the number one sport. 
So they were always going to make some mistakes. I, I'm prepared to give them a bit of leeway for that. Um, but equally, when they do make poor decisions, they've got to expect comeback. You know, we're, we're in the media. We're not PR agents for them. Uh, we cover the game, good, bad, or indifferent. So, you know, we have to be able to critique it. Otherwise, we lose our credibility with, with supporters who pay their money to not only support at the gate, but watch on TV, buy subscriptions, etc. So, you know, it's, it's an in, interdependent relationship that we all have. And, um, yeah, so in terms of, the, you know, whether they get a pass mark or not, I, I don't know whether that's for me to judge, to be honest. I think that's for the supporters. Um, football without fans, as Jock Steen famously said, is nothing. <laughs> so it's what they think, not what I think that matters. Yeah, very good, very good. Pakur? Uh, Simon, I was just heading into this game on the weekend, the grand final. What is the kind of matchups that you're looking out for, obviously, as a commentator? What are, what are the things that excite you particularly about this game? Well, I think it's going to be, you know, a classic arm wrestle in terms of slightly different styles. Uh, Melbourne City, you know, try to dominate teams in terms of their possession um, and they overpower teams. I mean, we saw this in the second leg of the semi-final against Sydney, albeit that, you know, there was a big turning point after 20 minutes when Max Burgess got a red card. And as soon as Melbourne City opened the scoring, to be honest, you just could not see a way back for Sydney FC because Melbourne City smother the life out of you. You know, they're that good at doing that. And of course, they've got quality players as well. Now, the interesting thing about the Mariners is they're not only on a good a run of good form, which City are as well, but they can hurt you a lot in transition. Mm. Um, they've not only got pace, but they've got very clever players. Uh, the likes of Jason Cummings, the likes of Marco Tullio, who is in season best form at the moment. So, you know, it's it's a question, I think, of, of how the two teams set up. Do Melbourne City make changes to try and uh, accommodate the opposition or do they not bother about that? Now, to be fair, against Sydney, they made three changes, which at the time I thought, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Nuno Reyes at right back. Um, he, he dropped Florent Berenguer and Richard van der Ven, left them on the bench. In the end, he was absolutely bang on. Uh, Nuno Reyes barely gave Adrian Segacic a kick. Might have been different had Robert Mack been fit, of course. But, uh, you know, so it's it's a fascinating matchup. There are, are, are individual battles across the field. Who wins the midfield battle, I think, will be key. Um, who does Rado Vidicic play alongside Aidan O'Neill? Does he revert to Berenguer? Um, does he play Valon Barisha a bit deeper? Does he um, restore Richard van der Ven to the midfield? Because the Mariners' middle two of uh, Max Ballard and Josh Nisbet are arguably the best central midfield pairing in the country for me. Not that they score a lot of goals, but they they do what, and I've, I've likened them this to, to this pairing before, Massimo Madoka and Matt Mackay used to do for Brisbane Industry. back in the day. They provide They're little industry. terriers, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That they run like rats all <laughs> over the place. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. They're very difficult to to stop. So, uh, you know, that's one really key area that I'm looking forward to seeing. The other one, of course, is you know who gets the service to the two top strikers in the league. Is it going to be Jamie McLaren that has a field day, <laughs> or Jason Cummings, or or somebody else? So it, it's a fascinating final. And there are so many wonderful youngsters who've put their hand up this year. Mm-hmm. And I've been seriously impressed. Pakur and I was had an opportunity to speak to Nick Montgomery on two or three different occasions. And not only do we find him as a – he's a deep thinker. He's seriously focused on getting the best out of his players. And I say that by um, 
and I say this in a in a in a very old school way. He believes in 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 giving them uh, as much cuddling and support as possible, but he demands he demands one hundred percent, not one hundred and ten, mm. not ninety nine, one hundred percent. He wants, and yeah. he's been tough on all of them at different stages. And we mustn't forget the the biggest and brightest star left at the beginning of the year and they just got better. Yeah. So well, he has, he, he, so and he's fiery. He's, he yeah. really, he, you know, you know how often we talk about your, the team as a mirror or almost a, um, a, you know, an example of the coach, the, the character of the coach. Well, if that's the case, the Mariners are as tough and, and as ornery as Nick Montgomery is committed. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you know, I remember watching Nick Montgomery in in the Premier League in the Championship uh, in my days in England, and you know, he is as tough as Sheffield Steel, which is where <laughs> he's from. Um, I think his teams are better to watch than that, to be honest. Yep. Um, yep. And you're right; he's he's become almost a guru to his players, and you know, from the outside, you can only watch on with admiration at how he's crafted a team that has the best of two different elements, some good young kids that you've alluded to already, but he's also uh, supplemented that with a sprinkling of very good experienced pros. Jason Cummings is one, of course. Tulio's another. Mm -hmm. Um, And Danny Vukovic between the posts, uh, you know, has been so good that, uh, you know, Mark Birgitti's absence hasn't really been noticed. He's got the best out of players like Storm Rue, who was perhaps at a little Best bit season. of a crossroads. Best season I've seen him in. Yep. Uh, yep. yep. And and the other one that I wanted to mention was, and, and this had me scratching my head a little bit at the time, but it, he, again, he's proven to be absolutely bang on. I, I watched Jacob Farrell and thought that this kid's, you know, fantastic. Uh, and he brought in James McGarry during the, the transfer window uh, <laughs> in a swap deal for Thomas Aquilina for Newcastle. And I thought, what's he done that for? He doesn't need him. He's got Jacob Farrell. Now, to be fair to him, James McGarry has been absolutely sensational, so much so that Jacob Farrell now can't get in the team. So, you know, he's provided competition for places as well. Um, He's not allowed those players to rest on their laurels. Uh, And that's maybe another one of the reasons why he's had so much success. Um, So I'm delighted for him. He's a good fellow, Monty. He's, you know, a football man to his marrow. And I think this is just the start of his journey as a coach. I think ultimately he will end up back in Sheffield mm. as manager of his beloved Sheffield United. And you, you, you may know, the well way be. he's going, he'll deserve it. I, I cannot argue with anything that you said. The the other thing, we had an opportunity to catch up and speak to the chair of the Central Coast Mariners, Richard Peel, and he said to us, "The only thing I, the only decision I should be credited for," he says, "is that I told Nick very early on, whatever you need." Go forth, and we'll we'll get it for you. And he brought people of the caliber of Banal. In other words, all he did was give give Nick air mm-hmm. to carry out. He didn't didn't put any pressure on him. And he said to him, "No, no, we're going to trust you. We believe in you." And he backed it up. And it's been a remarkable yeah. journey. And as we touched on, you know, the very beginning, there's a discussion. 
um, the community of the Central Coast Mariners, which has been up and down like a yo-yo over the last decade, because they've been like that. They're, they've been the yo-yo side. On a given day, they could win, but on, on most other days, they, they were lucky to put up a performance. But this season has been quite simply outstanding, and what we've seen has been this daring run and this real adventure, especially last week against, uh, or the week before against uh, Adelaide. I thought Adelaide was going to go up there and upset them. Uh, because they've been so good under Carl Viet, and Carl's got a crop of youngsters there too that have been very exciting and, and have kept Cooper Stadium, um, you know, pulsating. And that's one of the great stadiums in this country uh, and a real football stadium. And I've loved it. And, and I thought they were going to go up there and do the business. But no, Central Coast Mariners with 20,000 people jam-packed into that wonderful stadium with the palm trees – they were incredible. And Nick, Nick and uh, Richard said to us, mm. that sound, that noise, that energy uh, was going a couple of hours after the game had finished. That's how much energy they're, 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 they're creating, uh, both at, at player level and in the community. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of them will be in Parramatta on Saturday night, which could oh, yeah. well give the Mariners a, a big advantage. That's true. Um, you know, had it been in Melbourne at Amy Park where City haven't lost a home game all year, then you would have thought the odds were very heavily stacked in City's favour. But I think this sort of swings the balance a bit towards uh, neutral because they'll have the majority of fans inside the stadium. J- just on the Mariners' journey, I mean, you know, you've got to give also obviously some credit to Alan Stadgick, who started to turn the club around before uh, he departed. Yep. It's only a few years ago that the Mariners won three consecutive wooden spoons, and people were wanting them thrown out of the competition. Mm. And if you also remember, they you know they had that ludicrous PR uh, exercise where they brought in Usain Bolt, and you know were considering offering him a contract. Did and, you say uh, insane uh, Bolt? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the decision would have been insane. Correct. Um, Correct. But you know, they, so they've moved away from all that gimmicky stuff and all that nonsense and have returned to being a proper football club uh, with good foundations. And Alan Stadgett was a part of that. Nick Montgomery was initially the academy coach, which put that foundation in place. Uh, And now they've got that production line, which they were famed for for so many years, of course, the likes of Matt Ryan, Miller Yedinak, Trent Sainsbury, Bernie Abini. You know, they all came through the Mariners and earned the club a lot of money. Uh, and they're going to do that again because they've got their academy sorted. That's the basis of what an A-League club, or at least part of it, should be, is is to have that production line and to make money to reinvest in the academy to bring the next generation through. Uh, all the while, of course, while trying to remain competitive, which is the tricky bit, but that's where you need the good coach. And thankfully <laughs> for the Mariners, they've got everything. No, you just touched on, obviously, the key foundation of having a really good youth set up for your side and ensuring the long-term success of a football mm. club. Besides that aspect, what's what are the other things that some of these other clubs are missing out on so we can get more fans to the games and develop strong connections between fans and clubs? And see, when fans are going to games, they're seeing that it's not just the current group of players. There are players after that will still continue the legacy of the club onwards. It's it's a good question. To be honest, it's the $64 million question mm. that all A-League clubs need to answer to a, a greater or lesser extent. And 
you know, obviously there are some clubs that have been better at it than others. Melbourne Victory have been very successful, not so at the moment, obviously, but over the course of the journey, Sydney FC have done pretty well. Um, but there are a lot of others who I think have sort of fallen by the wayside for one reason or another. Now, there are various reasons for that. You know, Brisbane moving nearly an hour north of, of the city has been a massive disconnect with their supporter base. Okay, they've also not had the results on the field, but it's been often quoted in Australian football circles, oh, if you get a winning team, people will turn up. Well, they will for grand finals, but they won't necessarily turn up week in, week out for the next 10 years just because you play good football this season or win a trophy. And Brisbane Roar is the classic example of that. You know, if that was true, then Raw would be getting twenty, thirty thousand every week on the back of what Ange Postacoglu did there. But they're not because success is transient. And what it's about is a connection between the fan and the club. Um, now, there are many ways, of course, of achieving that. And clearly, in, in mitigation, you know, A-League clubs are still pretty young. So we've not got that intergenerational support that is endemic in Europe and South America and other parts of the world as yet. But we should be doing better than we are at the moment. Um, and that's because the clubs, by and large, um, you know, don't always listen to their supporters. Mm. They don't always have a great uh, or individual identity. A lot of A-League clubs, in my opinion, are cookie cutters of each other. Um, we need stadiums that not only look like home, but feel like home. Um, it would be lovely to have some of our own. This is why people love going to Cooper's Stadium in Adelaide. Yeah, it looks true. like a football stadium, smells like a football stadium. It's got red and white everywhere. It is the home of Adelaide United. And you are in no doubt about that when you go there. And that's why it's so brilliant. Uh, a lot of other clubs don't have that and don't seem to have any aspiration to have it, which just baffles me. Um, and the other thing is they've got to tap into, you know, the big playing base, uh, the junior participation levels that we bang on about endlessly. I mean, you know, just to touch on the FIFA Women's World Cup again, you know, I'd, if I hear the word participation numbers one more time out the back of this World Cup, I think I'm going to scream. We've got more than enough participants in this country. We haven't, we've got participants coming out of our ears. We don't have enough pitches for them to play on. What we need is more fans of the game paying their hard-earned so that we can build a better professional sport. And that's on the clubs. They've got to build that in their individual cities and too many of them, and Melbourne City, I'm sorry to say, are one. They're very successful. They've got a great team. And yet their crowds went down this season. How is that even possible with the team that they've got? And that's because they have not enough cut through in the Melbourne market. So they've got to work on that. And they've got to find ways to tap into the football supporter base that is clearly there in Melbourne that doesn't support victory. Now, I've gone on record as saying I think bringing in a marquee player would be one way to do it, but they seem loath to do that. It's not the only solution, but those are the sorts of things I think that clubs need to be looking at. And just one more point on this. Sorry, I know I've banged on a lot. No, no, um, go for it. Is, is I think, uh, and we started to see maybe the, the first elements of this in the last couple of weeks, one or two reports coming out. We also need a proper pyramid of football in this country, which means a second division, which means ultimately promotion and relegation. Uh, that's what football fans like. They don't like closed leagues with salary caps and no punishment for failure. Um, they want the glass ceiling removed, at least in part. And I'm not saying we can have it tomorrow, 
But the sooner we can move towards that, the better. And then we get a bit of jeopardy down at the bottom end of the table as well at the top. We need it. I wanted to touch on, because you touched on the Women's World uh, Cup, as somebody who loves the dub, and I, I think it's it's an interesting league, and the, the dub has had an interesting journey in the context of mm-hmm. women's football. It used to be, I think, it probably held a higher standing in the past because we used to be able to attract maybe higher quality players in the past, and we've transitioned to mm-hmm. maybe a more development league. How do you see the the relationship between the Matildas and just – Women's football in this, in the as a whole in this country, growing out of just having you know the fans that we have who are dedicated and committed, but they're not enough to sustain you know the long term aspirations of these mm. clubs in that sense. What do you what are your thoughts around that? Well, look, the, the Matildas have the same relationship to uh, the A League women's as the Socceroos do the A League men's. Um, and again, you know, after the men's World Cup last year, we thought we'd get this knock-on effect for mm. the A-League men's, and it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, so until the clubs do the work, both it, it's not a it's not a gender-specific issue; it's a whole of game issue. Yep. Um, the A-League men's crowds aren't big enough, and it's even worse with with the women's. Now, you know what we're seeing in the rest of the world, particularly Europe at the moment, is a huge investment, not just in in facilities and wages for players. But we're seeing investment in promotion of the women's game, promotion of those players. You, you look in the, in the media in the UK, it's, you know, you, you will read uh, pieces on the FA Women's Super League. Every not, not just celebrities, but I'm talking about the league itself. You will, mm. You'll read pieces about the FA Women's mm. Super League on a daily basis in The Guardian, in The Daily Mirror, in The Telegraph. You know, it's, it's virtually everywhere. And as a result, that, that higher... Uh, publicity has driven crowds to to be a lot bigger, particularly for the big games. Um, same in Spain, same in France, same in Germany. We're seeing crowds of fifty, sixty thousand for some games. Now we're not even at a fraction of that in Australia, and that's not a problem with the A League women's per se. It's a problem with the game in this country because it's the same for the men. Yeah, very true. So it's a football problem. It's a whole of game problem. It's not gender specific. You know, if we talk about, oh, well, what is it going to do for A-League women's? Well, it's it's all part of the same pot. Um, if the men's was going swimmingly and the women's wasn't, I would say, yes, absolutely. Then that's what they fixed in Europe with, mm. say, the Premier League being massive, but the FA Women's Super League being not. They, they've leveled that up at least to a certain degree. Still got a long way to go, of course, but they've leveled it up to a degree. Our Here, special guest. We're both at low levels. Our special guest on State of Our Football Nation is Simon Hill, the man who'll be commentating on the A-League men's grand final being played at the Combank uh, Stadium in Sydney. It's the game between the Central Coast Mariners and Melbourne City. You spoke glowingly about uh, Nick Montgomery and the job that he's done there and and how the Mariners have... uh, carried a wonderful new energy into this grand final. Let's talk about Rado Vidicic, who wasn't the uh, Melbourne City coach at the beginning of the season. He was looking after the women's team. Um, what have you made of his journey? And compared to Nick, this uh, this man, very, very quiet. He he just sets his horses out there. Rado's not gives that quiet. Rado's pretty gives, loud on the sidelines, I can't lie. Really? You've been that close, have <laughs> no, you? No, I watched the dub. I've seen the man. <laughs> uh, but, you know, by comparison, uh, 
by comparison, if you're putting Nick and Rado along, alongside one another, uh, you'll you'll hear Nick before you hear Rado. So what are you what are you making of the of the uh, Melbourne City um, turnout and the fact that uh, they have to, as they say, get themselves sorted, arrive in in Sydney, settle their nerves, and then put on a team that will best be able to handle this young and fiery group of youngsters from the Central Coast Mariners? Well, look, I think the biggest compliment I can pay, pay Rado is that, uh, um, you know, they, they've barely missed a beat since Paddy Kisnorbo left. I, I thought that might be a problem for them um, when he left mid-season. But, uh, you know, he's picked up the baton and it's been relatively smooth. They've only lost three times since he took over. They won the premiership by uh, 11 points at an absolute canter. Uh, and, you know, quite... Uh, easily disposed of Sydney FC in in the semi-final. So he's done really well. And if anything, I think he's, and this is no disrespect to Paddy because this is the way he builds his teams, but I actually think he's he's made City a little bit better to watch <laughs> in some ways. I think he's given them a little bit more freedom from the defensive structures that they had under Paddy. I'm not saying that they're, they're not there, but he's maybe just loosened the reins a little bit. Uh, which is made for you know exciting games involving City. They they perhaps leak a few more goals than they did under Paddy Kisnorbo. But uh, you know going forward they've still got such a potent threat, um, and and I think he's he's done a really good job. Um, you're right, he's you know, pretty undemonstrative, Rado, but uh, that's okay. That's his personality. Um, he'll get his point across when needs be um, on, from the sideline. And, uh, you know, this. I think this would be a terrific achievement if he was to, you know, lead Melbourne City to the double in not even a, a full season in charge. He did it with uh, the dub team yep. in 2020, won the premiership and the championship. Um, and it's now a well-established sort of uh, production line now, isn't it? Because Paddy Kisnorbo came from uh, the women's team he as well. He certainly did. So, uh, and now he's got Dario in charge, his son of the, of the women's team. So, um you know, there's there's uh, there's obviously a good succession <laughs> there in place. Um, no, I think I think he's done a terrific job, and um, yeah, w- wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know if City win the double on Saturday. There you go. Um, how are things otherwise? Have you recovered from the shock of seeing Leicester, uh, uh, you know, return to the Championship after what they did about six years ago? Yeah, I th- was it a shock? I, th- I don't know. I mean, when you look to the start of the season. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, who was then in charge, of course, he's not anymore. It's Dean Smith. But, yep. uh, you know, he wasn't given any money to spend. He got a little bit during the window. But um, I remember him saying at the time, you know, we're going to have a season of struggle because we've not been able to invest in the squad. And as you know, in the Premier League, if you stand still, you yeah, go backwards. Correct. Yeah, it's and an unfortunately, race. they just gave themselves too much to do. So uh, I feel sorry for them. You know, it was a great story. The, the the ultimate Cinderella story in 2016 when they won the Premier League. Two years ago, FA Cup winners. But, you know, that's football uh, in England. That's football in most parts of the world. If, uh, you know, if you don't perform, you get punished for it. Yeah, Dortmund are still wondering what happened. How can they get overrun by Bayern? Yeah. They did. <laughs> they did. That's unfortunate. Uh, it? Simon, yeah. it's been an, an incredible year when you add to it uh, a most magnificent World Cup in Qatar. Um, despite what uh, we were told leading into the, the tournament, the World Cup was quite extraordinary. Uh, Australia's efforts uh, through our Socceroos was magical. Uh, we gave the world champions, Argentina, one heck of a run 
and there was a young boy at the very end who almost uh, gave us an even bigger uh, thrill because I thought the way he took the ball down in those dying moments, spun around and hit it goalwards, uh, it, it took a quality save by quite possibly the best keeper in the competition at that, for that month or so uh, to, keep, to keep the score as it was. Otherwise, they would have been going into extra time. Now, Australia plays Argentina in China in a little while. What do you yeah. think? What do you think? We're going to well, see. Uh, are we going to see a, a, you know the coaching unleash Arnie unleash some of the youngsters, or is he going to play a more steadied group and try and you know put on a very solid performance? Is I'd he going to dare to, to win? Unleash the kids. I'd love to see him unleash the kids. <laughs> look, you know, to be fair, they 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 didn't play defensively against Argentina at no, the World they Cup. Didn't. And you talked about that qual moment, and I, you know, I was oh, yeah. stood behind the goal <gasps> in amongst a little smattering of Australian fans. The whole stadium was Argentina, basically, apart yeah. from about five hundred of us. Yeah, uh, and we all thought that was going to go in, but <sighs> it was a wonderful save by saved by uh, Emiliano Martinez. Uh, I, I think you know Arnie obviously will be having one eye on the Asian Cup next January. Um, he's already brought Nestorier and Kunda into the squad once. I wouldn't mind seeing him getting at least a bit of a run off the bench. I think, you know, him and Quall and one or two of the other young kids of the future. Um, so who knows what he'll do? Uh, it's a tough game, obviously. They're playing the world champions. Uh, Messi is going to be part of the squad, or at least he is at the moment. Um, so it's you know, it's a big ask to get to ask them to go to Beijing and win. But um, I think we'd love to see them go for it and uh, see what happens. But, of course, you know, it's, it's a one-off fixture and... I guess from Arnie's point of view, with the Asian Cup around the corner, he also doesn't want to go there and lose five or six nil, no, and then true. have the next four or five months to to dwell on that result yep. before he can get them back. So, uh, yeah, it's you know that's the vagaries of being an international coach, isn't it? The very reasonable Simon Hill giving us a piece of his mind as he uh, prepares to take the Paramount Plus and uh, Channel 10 commentary into the grand final. Uh, you guys starting about, what, 7 o'clock or will you be in, on a little bit earlier on Saturday? That's a, that's a good question, George. I think it's 7 o'clock. Right. Um, but check your guide for details. <laughs> I can't tell you off the top of my head. I know we kick off at 7.45, so that's when I'll be on. <laughs> yeah. All right, my boy. Have a Listen, all the very, very best. Uh, have a great call. Thanks, and uh, and uh, have an extended break. Uh, you've certainly earned it. It's been a big year. And by, can I also take an, a moment to say congratulations on all the stuff that you've done on Offsiders. Um, I, I think um, the half a dozen appearances you've made this year, you talked the most sense and you gave the game a chance to, um, uh, you know, to be understood a little bit better by some segments of the marketplace that don't I'm always think a few about people too, yes, George. That's all right. And and so and long may it continue. Simon Hill, our that's special part guest. Of our job. Good on you, my boy. Thanks. There Cheers, guys. Thank you. There you go. Simon Hill on State of Our Football Nation. And uh, as Pakur and I have said uh, on a number of occasions throughout the year, it's always fun when you get uh, a special guest and they give you not only uh, what they believe is fair and reasonable, but they're prepared to also stick by their beliefs. And Simon, as he said, has, uh, has upset a few people. But for the good of the game, I think it'll bear fruit in the long run. Uh, until next week. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR.